Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as mm-hmm. soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online, and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough, and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then, and you're reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself. I got an interesting email from a woman who was asking me about boundaries. And I said to myself, what a great topic. Boundaries are some of the toughest, absolutely toughest things to deal with when you're a partner and you're wanting so very badly to to put into place something that will make you feel safe. So I gotta tell you, I actually have an expert when it comes to boundaries who's joining me this morning. And um, this is her specialization. I mean, we all, when working with sex addicts and partners, need to know how to navigate boundaries. And certainly there are some gurus in the field. I just really appreciated this woman's take on how boundaries are a set of expectations and limits that we have for ourselves in interaction with other people. So I want to invite Jocelyn Hampshire to the show. She's on right now. She's going to talk a little bit about what got her involved in, in partner betrayal, partner trauma, and so, Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on, Carol. I've been recommending clients to you for years. Oh, I love that. Tell me a little bit about how you got involved in this and, you know, why you feel boundaries are so important. Yeah. So, like, Carol, my name is Jocelyn, and I'm a licensed professional counselor. I started my work actually at the Meadows, the treatment center in Arizona, and I worked there for almost a decade. And every week I would lecture on boundaries because that was my assigned one. And I would hear clients say all the time, I wish I would have known this 10, 20 years ago. I would have saved myself a lot of hurt. I would have been able 
able to repair relationships. I would have ended relationships earlier. And then when I moved into private practice, I heard it again, and I just kept hearing, like, I wish I knew this information sooner, or I wish my sister knew this, or my mother, or my husband, or whoever, so that we could have saved ourselves so much heartache. And so from there, I was like, okay, this is going to become my life mission to teach everyone about boundaries so that we can all learn to be healthier in all aspects of our life, not just with addiction and recovery, but also with our own mental health. I think all of us could use some more education and discussions around boundaries so that we can implement them in every area. So you agree with me that boundaries tends to be one of the most difficult issues between people in general, but certainly when there's sex addiction and partner betrayal, boundaries are so important. And, you know, I feel like when a partner is, has experienced discovery, their brain kind of goes offline. And so thinking through things like boundaries can be especially difficult. And then when I'm working with somebody who's known about this for 10, 15, 20 years, they feel like sometimes their boundaries haven't worked, and so they just kind of throw up their hands and are afraid to pursue them again. So you feel like they're necessary to keep a partner safe. Yes. And what I see so often, especially like if I have a sex addict paired with a love addict, those love addict clients have such a hard time because they're so afraid of being abandoned mm-hmm. that they feel like it's not okay to set boundaries or if I set boundaries that I'm going to be alone. And so that's really where I work with my clients on. You set a boundary as an act of love for yourself. It's not about controlling or changing the other person. It is all about this is the way I love myself enough that I'm going to show up well in relationships and I'm also going to expect that I'm respected in that process. Well, you know, you mentioned love addiction, and I think that love addiction very much looks like uh, betrayal trauma because there's such uncertainty in the relationship. So let's talk about love addiction for a minute. You said that boundaries are so difficult to sustain and maintain because there's such a fear of abandonment that they're afraid to carry it out. So I love the fact that intentional self-care is at the basis of boundaries, and we really are teaching people at all levels how to take better care of themselves. So can you, um, can you describe specifically what your definition is for boundaries, and maybe you just did, but give me your definition. So my definition is a set of expectations and limits we have around our interactions with ourselves and others. And the important thing that I always want to stress when talking about boundaries is it's about protecting ourselves, not controlling or manipulating anyone else. So if I set a boundary, I'm making sure that I'm keeping my side of the street clean. I'm not trying to go on the other person's side of the street and change what they're doing. I'm just letting you know what I'm going to engage in and what I'm not going to engage in. Got it. So how would one know an area where they may need boundaries in their life? So if you look at your life and as a whole, where are the areas where you have the most pain points? Is it certain relationships or certain discussions and relationships that are hardest for you? Is it in your home life? Where do you have those, like, house? those are pain points, those are stressful times in my life? And that's 
probably a good indicator that that's where you need to set some boundaries. Maybe it's boundaries with yourself, and you set boundaries with your time and how much you're willing to take on. Or it may be boundaries that you set with your partner on what you're willing and not willing to engage in. It could be boundaries with your kids. All of the things. Because boundaries don't just apply to relationships. They apply to ourselves, how what we engage in, don't engage in, what we're willing to say yes to, and what we say no to. So. Well, that absolutely makes sense. Now, um, what are some ways that trauma can play a role in, in boundaries? So, like I said, I was trained on trained as PA's work at the Meadow, so most of my focus comes from childhood trauma, and that's what I look at. And what I see often is a couple different scenarios play out. First, you were taught it's not okay to have wants and needs as that little kid. And so it's not that you're not sharing what your wants and needs are and what you need for boundaries. It's that you have no freaking idea mm-hmm. because that part of you is so used to taking care of everyone else and making sure everyone else is okay that so you don't know what you need. The other thing I see is where maybe your needs weren't met or you were told that you were too much or too needy or too whatever. And so you go to the other extreme where I'm going to do it myself or I'm going to go without, but I'm sure it helps not going to communicate what I need in a relationship to anyone. Mm. So, so very self-protective, but also very dysfunctional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to remind our listeners, Jocelyn Hampshire worked at the Meadows, a premier facility for treating sex addiction, uh, drug and alcohol addiction, love addiction, um, you were really fortunate to get to work with some of the heavy hitters in the field, weren't you? Yes. Mm-hmm. I remember as an intern, I got weekly supervision with Melody, me and three other people. I was able to co-facilitate some of my sex and love addiction groups with her so I could see some fine points that I wasn't able to learn just by talking to her. I was able to have training with Patrick Carnes and Stephanie Carnes and Peter Levine and Bethel and all of the great people in the field. I'm very fortunate to have had the opportunity for so many years. Oh, no kidding. And, you know, those people um, are either fellows at the Meadows or they helped to start um, the Meadows. I mean, they were adjunct faculty and, and founding faculty. And, you know, the Meadows is out in Wickenburg, Arizona, and it's an amazing facility, especially for those people that didn't want to go there because it's kind of expensive, but have been struggling and struggling and struggling and want to stop the insanity. It's, it's certainly a, a first base place to go, but for a lot of people, they go less expensive and they get what they paid for, and then they come to the Meadows and they get what they need. Um, so, again, you're an expert, and you've been with some of the best. Now, what do you think the key steps are in communicating boundaries? Because that's so important so that the other person does not feel controlled but understands this is about the person taking care of themselves. Right. So first, like you talked about with trauma, sometimes it's hard to identify what we want and need, and so that's where we got to start. What do, where's my pain point and what do I need in order for this to be better? And then I need to check myself 
to make sure my motives are pure and focused on protecting myself and not trying to change the other person. This is where I see most people struggle, and I see, like, I'm setting a boundary that you're not allowed to do this. Okay, well, that's actually manipulation and control that you're trying to use in a therapy word. But what's different is I'm not willing to engage in this behavior, so if it continues, I'm going to step out of it. So you see one of them was focused on the other person and what's going on with them versus my side of the street, and I'm not going to engage in that. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we need to formulate the best way to communicate the boundary that will be heard by the other person that is assertive but respectful. So if I, like, with my husband, I know if I use therapy language, his ears turn off because mm-hmm. he thinks I'm therapizing him. So I know I have to use different words. With certain friends, I know the best way to communicate with them. And so that's just trial and error. Like, I'm trying to communicate this boundary. And, oh, I see it's not heard. Is that about the way I communicated it? Or is the other person really just choosing not to hear? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But once I make sure that my side of the street clean is, and I've been as clear as I possibly can on setting the boundary, then if needed, I set a limit after that. So if you continue to violate this boundary, this is the action step that I'm going to have to take if the behavior continues. Right. So if you continue to yell while we're talking, I'm going to get off the phone. If this continues, if you continue to act out with pornography, then I'm going to have to have therapeutic separation. So it's not saying you need to do this, but this is what I'm going to do to take care of myself and protect myself should this behavior continue. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely come from a place that, you know, I train for access, and um, they believe in the three-phase model for partners that need to set boundaries. And the first is to keep them in safety and stabilization. And that's where I believe that boundaries can be so very helpful. And to be real honest, when they're done appropriately and when they're about self-care, even if that means I need a therapeutic separation, the addict won't get so defensive and will be more open and actually hear what she's going to do for herself. And so it's a win-win in that we don't want him to go into defensiveness because if he goes into defensiveness, then he'll go into denial and he'll say, well, she's the one with the problem and he won't look at himself. And so we want them to be clear and direct. And as you use the word assertive, now assertive doesn't mean you get, assertiveness doesn't mean you get what, what you've asked for, it does mean that you're clear and direct about your needs, your wants, and your beliefs. When you create a boundary that has to do with solely you, what you're going to do, you will get what you ask for because you're in charge of you, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I believe that boundaries can e- even be healthy in normal relationships. Like you said, you wouldn't therapize your husband. But, you know, I very clearly tell my husband at night we go to bed together, but he likes to watch TV, you know. If it gets too loud, I'm going to need to get up and go into the other room. He's like, no, I don't want you to do that. Okay, I'll definitely turn it down, and I'll keep it turned down. He gets that. Well, that's a boundary. That's a healthy boundary to let somebody know what you're willing to do. And I didn't say you're going to have to leave. I said I'm going to get up and go. Now, you just kind of shared with us the key steps in communicating a boundary. Do you have any tips 
for our listening audience in terms of how to set those boundaries, how they might actually write it down on paper, what can they do to make sure, you keep saying that they stay on their side of the street, but what you really mean is, because same side of the street feels like that codependency thing, and we're not telling them, don't be codependent, we're saying to them, take care of yourself. So what would you advise for them to do, what are some tips to make this process easier? First, remind yourself of your why. So why am I even putting in the effort to communicate those boundaries? Okay. I love myself enough, and reminding yourself this is an act of self-care and self-love, that I'm willing to do this because I love myself and I love the relationship. Because if I didn't care about the relationship, I would just cut you off. But I love it enough to try to make it better. And then another tip is make sure it's realistic. There are some boundaries that may not be realistic that get implemented right away. If you yell at me again, then I'm going to leave forever. Okay. Well, it may not be realistic for that other person. Like, if the yell, let me rephrase that. If the yelling happens again, then I'm going to leave the relationship. This may be 20 years of pattern, and this person might struggle a little bit. So that's not realistic. But I could say, if it continues, like, to progress, or if it continues multiple times a week, like, something like that, where... I still allow the other person to be human before I make this, take the action steps. That is important. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I have my clients do is when they're in this combo shit is these are non-negotiable boundaries that I have. These are negotiable. So what works best for both of us? And then at the end, there's so gee, it would be nice. So gee, it would be nice if you did this. But even if it doesn't happen, there's not going to be an action step. Got it. That does make it very understandable and simplistic. And I love the rea- the realistic thing because I'm always talking to my clients saying, you know, don't say you're going to leave unless you're going to leave because we know from parenting, if a, a parent makes a threat and they don't carry it out, the child learns there are no boundaries. You know, they can continue to do whatever you were trying to help them not do. Um, right. So, and then another tip is to remember it's okay for boundaries to change with time and depending on the person. So just because this is a boundary I set in a relationship right now doesn't mean that that has to be the forever thing. I know personally I struggle with, like, once I make a change, it's hard for me to remember that that doesn't have to be the thing for the next 20 years. I make that a boundary with you now that I can't engage in discussing this certain topic, but maybe when my ego strength is stronger and I've done some travel work, then I can have that discussion with you. And so just keeping in mind that these boundaries don't have to be permanent is really important. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, I don't know if this applies to boundaries, but I I just had a couple where they were talking about – what were they willing to do for each other? And she said, you know, we've been doing this so well for a couple of years. I don't feel the need to have you polygraphed anymore. And he said, no, 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 I, I know that you need that. And she said, you know, I don't. I think this is what trust is all about. She says, and if I decide that I do, 
then we'll have another conversation. And are, would you be willing to do it if, if something comes up that really makes me fearful? And he said, of course. And so that fluidity of them negotiating what, what needed to happen versus what didn't really made the couple even more cohesive and they felt more connection to each other. Um, now, what do you do if some, what do you advise if somebody consistently is in relationship with a person that violates boundaries? What do you do? So it depends on the situation of the person, of course, but I would set that action step. If it continues, I'm going to walk out of the room. I'm going to do whatever. And then if, let's say, the person follows you into the next room, then I'm going to get in my car and do this. If it continues, that's a red flag that more work needs to be done. And that's when I recommend you you share it in therapy, whether it's in couples therapy, if you're doing your, your own work but your partner isn't, and processing, okay, is this a deal breaker for my relationship or not? Mm-hmm. If it's not a deal breaker, okay, what are some ways that I can still honor and protect myself as we navigate discontinued boundary violations? Or is this a non-negotiable for me? Is this a non-negotiable boundary that if you continue to violate it, I'm going to have to leave the relationship because this is something that I'm not okay with and I will never be okay with, and it's hurting mm-hmm. in a way that Practicing my internal boundaries is not enough. You know, I'm reading uh, Trauma Bonding um, by Dr. Patrick Carnes right now, and I'm so ingrained in working with sex addicts and partners that he was referencing when somebody sets a boundary, um, and, it, and he said it's so important for him or her, in this situation it was a her, to not go back on that And then he gave the example of a man who says, just let me drink one more time. I just really believe that I can drink moderately, and I want to show you that. Just let me drink. And I thought to myself, there are times when the other person, be it male or female, will do his or her best to get around something that I know is not healthy. And so if I have, a, have a, a spouse who is doing something that I know is not healthy, then that is fair warning that I need to protect myself. Um, do you, did you run into much of that at the Meadows? Because obviously the Meadows treats so many different types of addictions. Did you find the addict, no matter whether that was gambling or, or uh, sex or drugs or alcohol, trying to negotiate with the therapist or with the family to participate in a different way with his or her addiction? I actually am working with some clients right now on that exact issue mm-hmm. where it's, oh, alcohol was a problem for me 10 years ago, but it's not now. Mm-hmm. So just it's not relapsing at this point. It's just moderation. Well, and the part of it is like, yeah, I'm not okay with that because I saw what it did to our marriage 10 years ago. And so as an act of love for me, if alcohol is not a problem, why is it an issue if we continue to abstain? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's often where I call my clients out a lot 
is if we're trying to negotiate it, that means it's an issue. Because if it wasn't an issue, if the alcohol was not an issue or sex addiction or whatever in your life, then it would be easy to cut it out. Mm-hmm. But because you're trying to negotiate it, that tells me that it has power over you and that it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Good point. Touche. Um, and so with this couple, and I know you don't want to violate any confidentiality, mm-hmm. but with this couple, you're trying to help them see that if something is an issue, then it is, is obviously problematic and needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you've given us such good advice about boundaries. Is there anything that you want to add to our listening audience um, that would help them know where to begin to set boundaries? I mean, they're so overwhelming. Do you have areas that people need to look at when it comes to boundary setting? Well, first I want to mention, it's not just boundaries in our relationships with other people. We often need to set boundaries with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So especially if we're in active addiction, then we set boundaries that say that it's pornography. We set boundaries to where maybe we don't have the Internet on the phone or we only use our laptop in public areas. Those are boundaries that we take and we set to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. With partners, I see boundaries of, okay, I'm not going to go what a lot of people call pain shopping. So I'm not going to look through my partner's email or through his phone trying to look for something to validate my fear. Because that's, that's crazy making for me and it's not healthy. So that's a boundary I'm going to set with myself. Another boundary may be that I set aside an hour a day to focus on my workbook or my homework from my therapist. So it's not always that we need to necessarily communicate the boundary with the other person, but sometimes it's with ourselves. And when we're setting boundaries with ourselves, sometimes it's hard because no one knows and there's no accountability. And that's where a sponsor or a therapist comes in and be like, okay, I'm setting these boundaries with myself, and I need you to check in with me to see how it's going because I'm having a hard time honoring my own boundaries right now. Yeah, so if I understand you correctly, someone who struggles with addiction will set boundaries to protect him or herself from the addiction, you know, I won't yes. take my phone into the the bathroom because that's where I acted out, and that could be a trigger for me. Or I won't. Yes. Um, I will keep the laptop where everybody can see it because I'm going to be much less likely to be tempted to violate my own boundary. And then with the partner, you're really saying. Work on intentional self-care, taking care of yourself in ways that bring serenity, brings calmness, and makes you feel more confident about yourself, even if there's that part of you that still wonders what's going on in his life. What do I need to know? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's where, like, let's say I still do have those fears, and that's where I bring them up in couples counseling and say, hey, I'm staying on my side of the street and I'm not snooping, I'm not doing anything, but there's something going on that I still feel like something's not, like someone's not being honest or something. I don't know something. So can we have a discussion around that? Is there anything I don't know? Do we need to schedule another exposure as a way of protecting yourself so that you still get what you need, 
and you're doing it in a healthy way instead of as a trauma response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Now, again, I'm reminding our listening audience that I'm speaking with Jocelyn Hamshar. Is that right, Hamshar? Yeah, Hamshar. And you can reach her through her website, which is www.courageouslivingazforarizona.com. And you are in private practice. Um, and they can email you by going to your um, email address? Yes. And that My is- email address is mytherapistjocelyn at gmail.com. And Jocelyn is J-O-C-E-L-Y-N. My private practice also has social media things um, for Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Courageous Living AZ. Okay, so that's Courageous Living AZ. And again, she's on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. And so, wow, you you started as an intern. You're in private practice. Uh, you work with couples, individuals. I mainly focus on individuals right now just because I'm strictly telehealth and trying to couples via the Internet is a little difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to get used to it, that's for sure. And, um, you know, I have so many techniques where they have to face each other, look at each other's left eye, all that stuff that I write and help her heal. And, you know, they'll be on the couch or they'll be in bed. And I'm like, guys, this is not going to work. You've got to set up therapy for me since I can't have you come and set it up for you. Um, So it is challenging. I so appreciate you talking about such a hard subject. You'd recommend Pia Melody, um, her books on boundary setting. Uh, Any other books you'd recommend? So I love Facing Codependency and Facing Love Addiction. I also developed my own self-paced boundaries course that you can get on my website um, that is geared towards women and is all about setting boundaries. So it also has you exploring your trauma and how you got set up to some of the boundary issues that you have now, what it looks like to communicate the boundaries. There's like six or seven different boundary prompts so that you can start writing out your own boundaries and what they may look like, how to make sure your side of the street is clean, all of the things that we've talked about today just more in depth so that you can really get a solid foundation on setting boundaries in every area of your life. Okay, so you have this online course and mm-hmm. that's on boundary setting. And, again, that's at www.courageouslivingaz. Thank you so much. I'm going to go look at that course so that I can make some referrals to it. I mean, we really need more help with boundaries, so I really appreciate your wisdom today. Yes, and if you use the code boundaries, you can get $100 off. Oh, very good. So that's boundaries, and that's B-O-U-N-D-A-R-I-E-S? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you, Jocelyn. You've been great, and we'll talk soon. Yes, thank you, Cheryl. Uh Uh-huh. All right, that was Jocelyn Hampshire. And she is an expert in boundaries. I would highly recommend that you take her course. And um, you can go to www.courageouslivingaz.com and um, check it out there. Remember, write out boundaries and you'll get $100 off the course.
Well, thanks for being with us today, and I look forward to talking with you further. I am, this week, so excited, so jazzed to be doing um, IRCAM, and that stands for Early Recovery Couples Work, Empathy empathy Work. Let's try it again. Um, And IRCAM is a new technique to teach clinicians and coaches how to really implement empathy in their early couples recovery work with sex addicts and partners. So if you're a coach or a counselor listening, um, access is sponsoring me for the next year. And I would love for you to be a part of that. Uh, And you can go to their website, look for Dr. Jake Porter and myself. We're facilitating together. And uh, for all my peeps out there that... uh, our addicts and partners, we are working on educating educating clinicians and coaches so that they know how to best work with you. All right, I'll see you next week. And as I always say, there will only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. We'll talk soon. We'll talk next week.